It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Pennies Going In Raw is a production of iHeartRadio. The opinions expressed in the following podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide education and entertainment about the financial industry and the stock market. Enjoy! On this episode of Pennies Going In Raw, we give a midweek update. Find out life's this game of pennies. Oh, you guys know we only have a 40% runner. Hello? 40% right is a fucking killing. We've been compliant for too long. It's time we go to war. I don't have a Roth. You know so much about the market that his brain doesn't have enough room for grammar. Hey, who told me about Ibex? It's going up a shit ton now. We're up 4%, baby. No way. Four fucking percent. You asked the exact same question with two words <laughs> different. It's like, fuck, man, I just got dick whipped for like... 20%, and now that f***er's up like 50. I bet Warren Buffett never did that. I'm just making this voice memo to call out unusual whales to a fight. The pennies we need are everywhere around us. Pennies, pennies, pennies. Going in raw. Featuring Dan. Deity it dips. And Hugh Honey. Produced by Vinny. And Christian. Let's, Let's go, go, baby. Welcome back to another episode of Pennies Going In Raw. Uh, the last time we spoke was last Wednesday, and Spy has gone through the motions since then, for sure, big time. Uh, last time we talked, it was around 440, dipped all the way below 430, down to the 429s, heading all the way back up to 454 today, up another percent. You're seeing it go. The ranges on Spy are, are ridiculous right now. I mean... If you're if you're day trading these like how we just had Manzel talk about, I mean the potential is is huge. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much where my focus has been because the volatility's been awesome. I mean, even today I was I was uh buying commons on spy. Like that's how much volatility and, and I was making a pretty good buck. Um, you know, literally just buying commons on spy, which is which is wild. Usually spy, you know, if we got like a one percent move intraday, that was pretty great. We're seeing like two, three, three and a half percent percentage point moves uh, intraday with SPY, which is absolutely wild. So there's so much volatility out there. And I actually like doing this more than uh, than small caps because it's literally like playing small caps. Just in my opinion, the directions are much cleaner. So if you have the liquidity in the capital, I mean, it makes it, you know, great. 
it makes it great to uh, to be able to trade those things. And uh, and the one thing was that last year I, I would get chopped up a little bit on SPY. Um, and the difference that I did this year was that I really truly let things work and I just scaled down my positions. So before I used to do like 5% of my account, 10% of my account into every single um, move. And now what I've been doing is like maybe one or 2% of my account, but I'm not really having a hard stop. I'm kind of letting it work more and I've been using larger time frames. So, and that's, and I've been having huge success with it. So I've been doing uh, 15 minute, you know, 30 minute charts so that it gives, gives, uh, gives the play a chance to set up so that if let's just say 450 is, is the, is my stop loss, let's call it. Then, um, then I'm not just immediately getting out if it hits 450. I'm seeing how it reacts on the 15 minute chart. So, uh, like today is Tuesday, February 1st, and I had to stop at like 448 or something. And it wicked underneath on the five minute chart, but on the 15 minute chart, it held there. So I held my calls, and the calls ended up going like 40%. So I've found that that's been really good because if you're noticing, the MMs are being really, really good about bringing things down and they're stopping people out left and right. And I mean, accounts are getting chopped. And I understand that. Yeah, we haven't talked about market makers in quite a while. Yeah, yeah. But you're seeing these really crisp moves and the volatility, although really good in terms of opportunity, if you're on the wrong side, it really sucks. So I've been doing it more like where I'm trying to capture more of a move using one or 2% of my account and using larger timeframes and letting the move set up. So I'm not looking for like 1%. I'm looking for like one and a half, two percent 2%. I'm not looking for like that third. Like before it used to be like, I would go super heavy on a breakout, look for a third of a percentage gain and then take that. Now I'm looking for like a one, one and a half percent move, really high quality setups on support using the larger time frame so that I'm not stopped out and, uh, and, you know, and giving the MMs, you know, my, my stop loss. So last time we talked, we were kind of seeing uh, spy every day was just down and then another down. And if it ever was green and it started to finally see some green days, uh, the very next day, you know, pop up and then the next day just fade off. You kind of do the call then put method, like just by the day. Now you're kind of seeing it back on track, hitting like 1% a day for, uh, going into last week, honestly. And, uh, you know, what do you kind of expect for, you know, to continue on spot? Uh, yeah. So, uh, I think that we should probably stay in a range. I think it, we're going to be inside a low volume or uh, actually not a low volume. I think we're going to be inside this like kind of stair stepping range chop for, for a little bit. And what I mean by that is that if we think of the normal stair stepping graph, you know, it's, it, it's where we go up and then we kind of consolidate and then go up again and then consolidate. And what I think more is going to happen is that we get into a range like we're seeing now. And I mean, it's going to wick like up 2% below, below the bottom of the range on the daily chart and then wick back up and then it's going to test resistance and then wick all over the place. So I think volatility is here to stay for two or three months. But as I was saying was that I think it's one of those things where we might see range and then break out to the upside and then like what we think is going to fail and then it just holds the support again on like the daily chart. And that's why uh, I've been using 
those larger time frames because I think it's important because right now, if you were just looking at like the one minute chart on SPY for like the past like 20 days, I mean, it's all over the place. It's wild. And uh, so that's why I've been using these like larger time frames because I think what's, what's happening is that we are going to see 500, I believe, before June. But that being said, I think before I thought there would be like a hard bounce back. And although we got that 4% from like 4% down to green that one day, that was almost like the bounce back that I was looking for. But because we were down so much intraday, it kind of ruined, um, you know, like that, that like hard bounce back, if that makes sense. I think that was like last Friday, two Fridays ago. So now what I think, what I believe or how I'm positioning myself is that I'm positioning myself long inside the bio, inside the bio sector, and I'm positioning myself to where volatility is going to stay and where it's going to be, like I said, like that stair step choppy, I'm going to call it, you know, we're like, we'll be inside a range for maybe two weeks and then we break out. And then it's like where, you know, maybe we wick down, but then we wick back up on the daily and, or even on the weekly. And then it's going to be like, where we're all over the place. But then if you kind of look at, when we look back on it, I think it's going to be really methodical, really controlled movement right now. All, everything seems super volatile and like all over the place. But if you zoom out on those larger time frames, everything is so controlled. I mean, literally, MMs are bringing it down to like certain prices, wicking it a percentage point under, st stopping everybody out, and then you're seeing a massive candle to the upside. Or the other way around, to where it's like, you know, every you know, you think that yeah, it's looking toppy, it's looking toppy, and then all of a sudden we're breaking resistance. And it wicks up through the resistance and then, uh, and then it's getting smoked and, and it's puking out later. And I'm not talking like just a little puke. I'm talking like, you know, you think it's breaking resistance, like it's breaking out. And then, you know, next thing you know, it's down a percent, percent or two. Uh, I mean, futures alone, you can see it yesterday. So today's the first Tuesday, the first I was watching futures last night. I went to bed at like 11 Eastern time. Futures were down a half a percent. I come back at like 3 a.m. And they're up like uh, 0.7%. That's wild. Those are some crazy moves. So I think volatility, like I said, to recap, I think volatility is here to stay. That's how I'm positioning myself. I'm also positioning myself along the bio sector. And, uh, and I think we're going to be inside a low. Uh, I think we're going to be inside like a range, stair-stepping chop. And I still think that we see 500 by June. Now I'm not I'm not like positioning myself for 500 like I'm not going to buy super out of the money calls because I think that there's going to be so much chop and right now intraday I'm me personally like me personally I'm doing really well trading the volatility so there's no point for me to risk like the the premium decay on uh, on buying like 500 you know 5 months out 5 months out of the money um yeah, those get expensive. And then it's like the you know, opportunity cost is tied up and stuff. And this is where, you know, if you do learn to trade the volatility really well, which I think it's important, this is where you can make your year or you can make like six months of your year. You know, like I, historically, I'm a swing trader. I mean, you guys know me, like I'm, I'm historically a swing trader, but I've been making, you know, uh, I was down in January and I started trading the volatility and I made back all of January plus some um, inside like two days. And then now, you know, it's been good. And, uh, and as long as it stays, I'm, I'm all for it. And it's one of those things where like, you got to be really careful with your risk and, uh, you gotta be really careful with your risk and have like those defined stop losses. 
but you can't, but you got to zoom out on the bigger picture. I think that that's like the biggest key takeaway that I learned um, from getting chopped up from Spy originally was that I was going too heavy and um, I was, I was too focused on like the one minute and the two minute, or I mean the one minute and the five minute charts, zoom out to the 15 minute, set those key levels. And that's, what's been really working for me. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So one thing, uh, you know, that's kind of appeared to me, it seems like a lot of, you know, people that recently started trading, let's say in the past couple of years, they not exactly used this volatility. It's was more of a swing trade or play the sympathies. What it for you personally, kind of two questions. One, what would you kind of suggest to swing in you know, sympathy traders to kind of get used to and get ready for this new market. And two, have you noticed anything from your swinging uh, style of trading that you kind of take over to this style of trading that you're doing now? Yeah. Uh, so the first, the second part of that, the one thing with the swing trading is that I have conviction, you know, obviously, uh, a big part of swing trading is having that conviction. So with, and, and I think that that goes hand in hand with, with zooming out on these charts. Like, I think that, I think that's my new thing, honestly, is, uh, is going to say zooming out on the charts because, um, one of my biggest issues that I was noticing with my spy was that, was that I was getting chopped up and, and I, and sometimes like right now, what I've been doing is, is that I noticed that my risk wasn't in check, meaning that I used too much of my account. And I was going too close to expiration. You know, like I wasn't going like a month out. I was going like maybe two weeks out. So now I go like six weeks out sometimes. And um, and the other thing was that I was getting stopped out immediately when it came down to that wick. So now what I've actually been doing is, is that I've been walking away from the computer. So I'll set price alerts at the key levels and I'll go do laundry or something. Or like I'll just walk away and, and kind of like shut shut off my computer and go do something else, uh, or like call my mom because it, it because 
I don't want to look at the option, you know, moving, you know, 20% in between the range, but I have this overall thesis. So the way that I've found is that if I'm just hands off, and actually this was something that I was talking about with a friend of mine, was that one of the things that I don't think that I accounted for while in college was that college kept me busy. Like I wasn't able, when I would have classes on like, let's call it Monday and Wednesday, I wasn't able to look at my portfolio during class. So I couldn't look, you know? So like I could intraday, if there was like a low volume sell-off while I was taking a test, like I had no idea. So I wasn't, I wasn't able to like panic sell while I was taking a test. Do you um, ever set like sell limits on some of these options? I know like, cause sometimes it just hits there for so quick. You try and get out, it's just like, boom. Oh and yeah, if yeah, you yeah. step away from your computer, I mean, you kind of have to in options cause yeah. those opportunities come and they can be gone quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I was talking to our friend Joy today about, um, about like where the range was or whatever. And then uh, Verde, you know, love Verde, love Joy. And uh, Verde was like, yo, bro, like he, he knows that I like to get really big into shit, like, you know, into options and like, um, and like, I, and then I have conviction. He just sent me a quick message like, yo, like uh, relative volume, super low. You know, you see how tight Spy is like, you know, don't, don't go nuts. Like, you know, go, going crazy at that 450 level. And, uh, and the second they said that, I was like, ah, damn. Yeah. And that's why I love this community because it's like Verde knows that I'd fucking love to go balls deep into shit. And, uh, and he was, and you know, he, he kept me in check. And, uh, and so that was one of those times where like, you know, I walked away from the computer because I still had this overall thesis, but I set that sell limit just underneath that 450 level on spy. Um, so that I would get filled if there was a quick candle. And sure enough, there's a quick candle and that sold off. Now, obviously, end of day, it pumped and got, and, you know, I mean, blew through resistance. But for those like two hours, I was like, Verde, like, thank you. Like, like the options sold off like a 30% from there. Like, I just got filled, blah, blah. But yeah, so what I'll do is that I'll set the key levels and then, um, and then I'll usually sell half at that resistance. So that's how, like, we always talk about trading around the core and similar to swing trading. I trade around the core of the option plays. So in between the range, I'm trading around the core. So let's just say I have 50 contracts of SPY. It, um, you know, I might add 50, and then if it goes down to, uh, to support, I'll add another 30. And then when it goes back up, I'll sell 20 immediately you know, for profit. And then at the top of the resistance chart, I'll sell another 20, and then I'll hold 30 for some like parabolic move. Um, and that's the way where I can kind of build up that profit intraday for that bigger thesis. So that if I do have that bigger thesis, so like I was saying this, I don't usually typically try to use more than one or 2% of my account. Um, and so if I'm using 2% of my account immediately at that higher resistance, I'll scale out 1% of my account and then I'll hold the rest for that bigger thesis, that bigger move where the, where the options contract is going to go from like up 20% to like up 70, up 80, up 90. Um, and that's, and that's, what's worked for me. That doesn't necessarily mean that it'll work for everyone, but that, but, and then, like I said, is that sometimes it'll go back down to that support and I'll buy back what I just sold. And that's, what's been working really great for me inside this range, especially with the decay of the options. And today alone, I, I watched like, uh, like one of my spy positions, like decay, like 10 or 15%, like in front of my eyes and spy didn't even, yeah, spy you have to have like those conviction, hours. like conviction is such a big thing in options trading. Because, I mean, that, that theta decay will just eat you alive. Just eat you alive. So that's one of the ways I like to build in 
is trading around the core. And I don't think enough people really do that, especially because if you're trading SPY or something really expensive, you know, you're yeah, only you, buying you like two or three. You probably only have, yeah, if you have a smaller account, you may only have like four of them. So every time exactly. you, the minimum you can scale out is 25%. And by the yeah. time it's up 50%, you're like, damn, I only have one left. And, yeah. and it's looking like it's going to gap up. But that's where I think it comes so important to be like, you know, keep yourself in check. And if you see that range, to take take 25% off. Because most of the time, especially right now with this high volatility, you know, you're not seeing like SPY. Uh, and right now you're seeing like a gap and go, you know, low volatility melt up. But, um, but what we've seen recently is crazy moves. And so, and, and again, you can always add it back. Like uh, you can always add it back. But the biggest thing that that I've seen with myself is that I love to build the position earlier in the day. So like the 9 to 11 a.m. on SPY, I mean, I'll, uh, uh, when I say build a position, I mean like I like to build profits. So 9 to 11, I'll build up like a good base. I'll take profits like really quickly. You know, I'll buy, I'll wait to buy on bottom of the range and then I'll sell at top of the range. You know, I'm building profits to that later in the day and then I'll kind of let things simmer down and I'll let the options decay a little bit. And then when two o'clock rolls back around, that's when I'll look and I'll look at the options that were trading like four bucks and now they're trading at like 320 and things haven't even like moved, you know? And so then that's when I'm like, oh, you know, it gets me excited because then if I feel like an overall move is coming in the market because of this high volatility, that's when I'll start building a position because again, I'm building it with profits already. So from the morning profits, I'm, I'm already there. Like even though, even though I, even though I miss out on a good amount of profits by taking profits super early, I'm able to hold that conviction uh, later in the day when I get back in. And that's how I'm ha able to have like these home run days. Like I think like, uh, like, you know, like I've had like a seven figure week. So uh, it, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm able to go for those home runs by building those smaller, smaller profits in the morning. And that's what I used to do back in the day is that I would build up like $500,000 on like a hundred thousand dollar account. And then later in the day, I would go, for, that's when I would go, you know, have some conviction and I would say, okay, I'm either going to break even on the day today, or I'm, I'm going to make seven hard, grand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And seven that's grand. how I would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how <laughs> I would figures. do. Yeah. Well, well, no, no, no. But I mean like back oh, okay. in the day, that's oh, how okay, I would okay, do okay. like six, 7% on the account gotcha, because gotcha, I would gotcha. say, okay, worst case scenario, I break even, you know, worst case scenario, I break even best case or lose a little bit. Best case scenario, you know, I make five, 10, 15% on the account. And so that's, that's what I'm, that's what I've been trying to do is be more aggressive. And, uh, and like I said, in my experience with this higher volatility, it's worked great. But that being said, I did tweet today about MTSR, um, because I am getting long the bio sector. The bio sector has been absolutely pummeled. Uh, Sorry, right. did you want to say anything about SPY before we moved on to the bio sector? Uh, I just had, well, this was more in general. So you can go on the bio sector and then uh, I kind of wanted to go over for like, let's say some of the newer traders, you know, that got chopped up in the past month and a half and that just couldn't let go of their bags and they're starting to finally go up and kind of advise them what to do. We can go into the bio sector uh, now and then get to that after. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so as I said, is that basically, um, you know, obviously trading spy and stuff like that, and then I'm getting along the bio sector, but the thing for me that is key is fundamentals. So I'm, I'm really big. Like I want to, I want to only pick the cream of the, the cream of the crop. Am I saying that right? 
cream of the crop, dude. Crop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm picking the cream of the crop because you can right now. I mean, XBI is down literally 50%. And then uh, Ripster, my boy Ripster on Twitter, had a really interesting stat today. And, and I wanted to bring this up. So he said, he tweeted, XBI, highest, sh highest, sh highest shorted ETF. Ortex, I've never heard of Ortex, but Ortex estimates biotech e ETF to be 85% short as of today. Um, was 65% short January 14th. Um, I mean, either way, 64% or 85%, it, it really doesn't matter. Both of them are, that's wild. Um, especially because everything's pulled back immensely. And we've talked about it on earlier podcasts that we, we know, like I know of funds, like really good bio funds that are down 30, 40% because everything's just been killed. So this is when I want to get super long, like the value names of the biotech firm. So what I, I mean, biotech sector. And so what I mean by that is really good fundamentals, really good pipelines with already revenues. Um, so I've bought XBI outright here and, uh, and, but I think that, I think that if growth has a bounce, the bios will bounce, will bounce the hardest because they're the most speculative investment and obviously growth is speculative. So when growth, you know, kills it, bios kill it. When growth gets smoked, bios get smoked even worse. You know, think of like their, think of like their beta as, uh, being like 2.0, you know? So for every point they move, they move double. Um, so the one that I talked about today was MTCR. That was the small cap bio that, that I was, that I've been getting long. My average is like 54 to 55 and they got a patent today. Now the patent's a little fluffy, but like great, you know, like good for them. I didn't, uh, it's trading at 57 cents right now. And they have about a dollar 50, a dollar 60 cash per share. Now, yes, they are a bio and they are growth, so they do have a large burn rate. But I'm playing this more as, like I said, is that oh, is this even Hugh's if they have DD? a dollar, we getting some Hugh DD here. Yeah, just a little something, just a little, little something, you know, because teaser. they got the patent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tim O'Connell put my, you know, shout out to our boy Tim. He put my eyes on it um, when he was talking about it, and uh, and I like it for a few reasons. One, the cash per share. Now, even though they are going to burn a lot of cash. Um, even if they burn 50% of that, that still puts the uh, cash per share at 50% higher than where the stock is trading at right now. I'll take that any day of the week. Now, if we somehow get to $2 a share, that, that's a fucking home run. Um, so this is one where I'm going to try and hold it. Like, for, like I'm going to try and hold it because I truly do believe that when bios snap back, they're going to snap back hard. I don't know if they'll snap back to all-time highs, but... Uh, and, and I don't think they should because I think bios were trading at such a premium that they shouldn't snap back to all-time highs. But them being down 70 80%, yeah, I think that they can have a 50 60% snapback um, because that will still put them down 30 40 50 some of them 50% from all-time highs. So this is one that I'm really looking forward to, um, especially if the market starts to like get smoked. Right now we're in earnings. For, for, you know, I mean, obviously we saw Google have the 20 for one stock split, Amazon coming up on Thursday, everybody wants them to do a stock split. So eyes are there, but if the market gets smoked again, and we start to test that four, <clears throat> 430 level again, that's going to ensue panic. And I think people will flee to these small caps and will flee to growth. And now then that's Tom. when, <laughs> yeah. And then that's when it just becomes a supply and demand thing. 
Um, I, I, I haven't, I don't know. I, I've, I didn't do enough DD to know if XBI truly is 85% short, but with that kind of short interest, it won't take much for that to be back over a hundred, you know, like that, like, this is like where, where you're kind of like, this is kind of where like, you kind of got to kind of play poker like MTCR. I'm okay with accumulating. I'm okay. If it goes down to 45 cents, if you're not stay out of the trade, but this is where I'm okay because I think that the snapback is going to be really, really hard or uh, not hard. I mean, like, uh, I think the snapback will be vicious. Hard, baby. So I think, th I think the snapback will be vicious. And so I'm okay with accumulating on dips. Now, hey, listen, if it wants to run to one without any dips, yeah, fuck it, do it, baby. But, uh, but this is one where I'm really excited about. It also has, uh, they filed for an IND. Which is uh, like, I think 65% of all INDs get uh, approval. So <clears throat> that should be coming by March 1st or March 15th, something like that. And so that's a catalyst. You guys know I love catalysts. So now they're trading below fundamentals. They have a catalyst. They're inside a sector that I like that is beaten down. You know, like this is like the things that I look for, part of the matrix, things that to check off on the box. You know, now, now again, their management did have two resignations. I don't see that as a big deal. Um, you know, like it's, it's, it, we're not talking about like, like if Merck had their CEO and CFO leave, that's a pretty big red flag. Um, but inside small caps, they kind of just, they kind of just, just cleaning shuffle house, around dude, board Just shuffling around some people, man. <laughs> that's literally how it is. They just kind of shuffle around between different ones. So I'm not investing in MTCR, but I would love to not sell any before one. I would love to get like an 80%er run. I would love to, you know, get some IND news all at the same time as uh, XBI is, you know, maybe maybe coming close to 100 right after right after uh, big cap earnings. You know, like that's something that I look for. And, and so I like this company a lot. And so I'm getting along the bio sector, but I'm not being stupid. Like I'm not getting, I'm not getting long as schlong. Um, you know, all at once. I'm gonna. I'm. This is methodical, and we have to pick our spots. You know, so MTCR is gonna be the one. I'm not gonna blow my load on the first one. You know, MTCR. I got a big. I got a nice chunk, but you know, I can get double yourself. from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can get double big. I can get. I, I can. You I know, can I get can double big. Double from here. Yeah. You know, I, I got like a single means. patty right now. I yeah. can put a double patty on her, that's and, and that's fine. And it'll still be. That's a that's a big move, and I, and that's okay. I'll get I'll get longish long, um, and so so I'm okay with it. So that's that's one of the things where where this is where you got to be ready. Where I'm gonna expose myself to the sector, but I gotta but we have to understand that the sector still has a lot of downside potential downside. Again though, if you bought XBI in like 2017, you're literally neutral in the position, which is mind blowing. Like it feels like everything the past two years has gone up five x. The XBI, the biotech ETF, if you bought that, uh, you know, in 2017, you were net neutral. That's pretty good risk to reward to me. And uh, individually, like I said, I want to pick fundamental stocks. So speaking about this podcast, if you guys have, you know, especially biotechs, good fundamentals, you know, ideally a revenue generating pipeline and maybe a partnership with like a bigger, 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 uh, bigger pharmaceutical, send them, you know, comment below inside the tweet that we tweet the, you know, underneath the PGR pod. And I'll take a look at a few because that's what I'm going to get long. Like that's what I'm looking for. You guys now know what I'm looking for. Good fundamentals, catalyst, 
you know, beaten down, 60% down, you know, things like that. That's right. I think, I think I've exhausted my point, but you get yeah, it. catalyst, dude. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, so last but not least, you know, like we were talking about, little bag holder uh, therapy session. Um, you know, a lot of people just... They 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 never let go of hope and they hold their bags and let's say their bags are down sixty five percent they're finally starting to go up let's say now they're down to fifty percent when do they let go of these bags if they are let's say they don't have a lot of confidence but they just have like hey my buddy or someone on Twitter told me about this this is down a lot and starting to go up again do I think it'll ever see my average or higher or do I or how do I handle this. Uh, so what, what do you suggest to those, those souls? Uh, yeah. So the first thing I like, I, so I like to cleanse myself sometimes if I'm like bag holding a lot of things, sometimes you just got to have like that low, like, uh, you know, one-on-one talk with the homies and you just got to say, Hey, listen, where am I just like praying and hoping? Um, and those are the ones that you got to cut. So right now, I wouldn't, if, if I were, if I, actually anybody, swing trader, day trader, whatever, I wouldn't focus investor on more than five stocks because right now the market's so volatile that you're going to need that cash. And so I would just trade around the core of those five stocks any more than that. And I think you're going to get yourself into, into, into a rut unless you're like doing like 2% yes, of your account. It's not May whatever. 2020 of anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I would focus on five stocks. And so if you're bag holding like eight or nine stocks and you really don't know, like, again, it comes back to the why. We had a whole episode on the why. Why are you holding this? Why, what are you waiting for? You know, like, do you just, <laughs> is this just something that you're just hoping goes up? Because if that's true, just cut it. I found that when I cut my bags, I literally feel 
the weight being lifted off my shoulders. Not I waking up and not being scared to open your investing yes. app is is a feeling that is amazing. Like hoping, hoping, hoping it's green. You wake up at an hour and a half before market open and you're down two grand, four grand. It's and then you're just making your money back from what your swings took from you. And I saw, you know, the the saying it's you didn't lose money till you sell. And I saw it on Twitter. Someone said this creates so many bag holders. And that's true. Uh you haven't lost any money till you sell, but do you know if you'll ever make money on it? You know, it's one of those things. Uh that maybe you can make money with that somewhere else though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's that's that is key. That is key. So it's the emotional side of it. It's the emotional side of it. And also, um, you know, it it's the fact that you can potentially make your money back. But, but yeah, but the thing is that what are you going to have to go through emotionally? And remember, if your stock is down 50%, so let's just say you're long the stock at 10, it's at 5. It now has to go up 100% for you to recoup. But then what are you going to do? You know, let's say they buy more at five and it goes to four. Now the stock's going to go like, like you're just digging yourself deeper. So my biggest piece of advice is to cut your bags. Even unless you truly, truly believe in the company. And even at that point, if you have a bag that bad, then you didn't manage your risk right. If a stock goes down 50% and you're like, this is the future, I can, I'm sure of it. Like my uncle's the CEO and I have insider information. <laughs> like even at that point, if the stock is down 50%. Maybe your uncle's a bullshitter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you got to manage your position correctly. And that's why like any day that a stock is, if the, if the market's up 2% and like my swings are up 10, 15%, I'm cutting 30% of my position. Because I'm gonna want to, I'm gonna want that later when I want to buy back lower, and so are you. So even if you're, if you're, if you're down fifty percent on your position and you still feel like this is a future, you should cut some of your position. Even if you feel like this is the very, very bottom, you should still cut some of your position because if it goes down. At the very minimum, at least you can buy more at a lower price. But don't stick, don't get yourself stuck in a situation where you blow your load and, uh, and it goes down 20, 30, 40%. Or maybe you're inside that situation now. And then, you know, you have no more buying power. Or you're just, your risk is way off and you have 30% of your account in it. Don't, don't get stuck in that. Take this as a learning lesson. All I've, we've all been there. I mean, I've done that so many damn times. Hell, I did that with a company that claimed that they were going to, that they were creating the largest Chinese river port and they didn't even create a river port. And I'm still sitting there like buying bags and bags and bags. I mean, I truly thought that that was going to be like my career ender, like my retirement maker. I ended up losing 75% of my portfolio on the fucking thing. Like, cause I just kept buying more and more and more and more. Like six months of my life was dedicated to this fucking stock and it smoked me. And so after that, I said, okay, even if I believe the thing is the next Amazon, my risk is going to be in check. And that was what I need to go through. 
And so if you're like, this will be the end of my trading career, blah, blah, blah. It was not. It's not. Will you have to maybe do some DoorDash on the weekends? Yeah, sure. But who the fuck cares? Do what me and Gary did. We both bartended at night and traded during the day. So we, we lived on our bartender salary and we traded during the day and we got better. Hell, Gary took 500 bucks to like 10 mil. <laughs> I mean, you don't need 10 mil. Take the 500 bucks to like 100 grand. That's a lot of money. And then the next year, just do another 100%. You know, like that's like, that's one of those things where like, once you get the momentum going, uh, I believe that everything happens for a reason and that you need to go through certain things. I needed that Salva short loss to keep my short risk in check. Now I almost guarantee you, not, not, not completely, but I guarantee you I'll never do that again. But I needed to do that and I need to have that seven-figure loss to now have myself in check. So take it as a wake-up call and take it for what it is. Because if you never do it again, then it's going to be a blessing in 15 years. But if you just give up, then that's it. That, that's yeah, all it is. you lost it for no reason. I think you lost it for no reason. The people that I, uh, suck at controlling their emotions and trading, maybe if you lose a bunch of money on something new, it was your fault, maybe physically inflict pain on yourself. Because then you'll probably <laughs> maybe stab yourself in the arm with a fork or something. <clears throat> uh, one of the questions I always get asked is like, how did you do it when you were losing for years? And, and part of it was the, the fact that like I was just, I didn't have real responsibilities. But the other part of it is that I had like that stubborn pride. And I think that's what you need. Like, that's what I think you need. Like, you need that stubborn pride to be like, okay, I fucking blow at this. I blew 75% of my account, but I'm not going to let that be it. Like, I'm not going to let the story end there. I'm not going to let the period end there. And I think that that really helped me was having that stubborn pride. And I think that if you're inside a situation where, and we've all been there, and honestly, I would be there if I had started during COVID, I would have blown up. Because I had to go through the things that I went through, blowing up 60, 70% of my account to then come back and to never do those things again. Like, I don't learn when, I'm, when I do well in the market. I just don't. Like, I, I don't. I learn my best when I fuck up. Like, I learned my best in, as a child when I told my mom, when I cursed at my mom. Guess what I never did after I got hit? I never cursed at my mom again. <laughs> but like... That's one of those things where I'll never do that again. Same thing with the short side. Like I'll never throw my entire account into options while inside the bathroom of AP stats again. Why? Because it was down 20% in seconds. <laughs> like I'll never do that again. So you have to go through those things. So if you're down 75, 80% right now, don't put the period in on the chapter. Don't close the book. Because if you do, you're just going to be another schmuck who just closed the book on their trading career because they weren't good at it. Nobody's good at this game until they're good at it. You're literally born not good at trading. That's the whole point of this, is that you're not good at it. And then you learn to become good. You gotta go through like this whole journey and like you're, like you're literally becoming like a ninja. Just a fucking ninja of the market. Yeah, you guys have played Assassin's Creed before. Yeah, so have that stubborn pride Take your bags, take the L, take a week off and just look at the account and then come back, have good risk management 
and understand that this is going to be a slow journey back, but it will be worth it because once you get on that momentum ride and you have a 500% year and then you have another 500% year and then you have another 500% year, that's where you can take like $1,000 to like a hundred grand in like three years. Like that, those are the situations where you can do that. Like I did it. Gary did it. Zach Morris did it. Dan did it. Like those are the situations where you can do that. You got to go through the slumps to then come out, learn, right, learn good risk management, compound the gains, and then you, that's where you can go on like the three-year roll. Remember, this is a skill that you can have forever. So if you can figure out how to make 10 grand in a year, and then you're able to scale that, you'll be able to learn how to make 100 grand. You'll be able to learn how to make 200 grand. So that's the biggest thing is just getting over that hump of being profitable. Because once you have 100% year, it's over. It's over. It's over. Especially inside the market. You miss the good market. <laughs> like if you're, if, you're just, if you're listening to this and you're just opening up a trading account, you miss the good market. Which is terrible because you didn't get to compound your account inside the easiest trading career, inside the easiest trading uh, months ever. The good part about it is that you won't create bad habits because you can't. Because if you do, you'll blow up. That's all. Thanks, coach. All right. Well, that was another episode of Pennies Going in Raw. And also, uh, Manscaped has some dope ass new stuff. Uh, got the shampoo and conditioner and then the body spray and this like body wash. And, Have you uh, used it yet? Yeah. I was going to use it tonight. Yeah, yeah, I got it. It's pretty, it's pretty good. So use code PGIR if you're uh, interested in that. Um, I don't know if it's for sale yet, but dope stuff, dope stuff. Um, we'll see everyone on Sunday. Have a great rest of your trading week. Peace. Penny's Going In Raw is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.